0: Hey everybody, it's Lon Seidman. It is Monday, that means it's once again time for your weekly wrap-up and we've got a whole bunch of stuff to look at today including Amazon and Google reaching a peace agreement on their video dispute that has lasted for many years that includes YouTube. GPD might be coming out with a new handheld gaming device running Windows with a Ryzen processor. We're going to look at a viewer suggestion for recording your streaming services sorta legally. We'll explore that in a few minutes. We'll also look at how NASA is paying for space after the space shuttle and why SpaceX is being so competitive in this new era. And we'll also take a look at what happens with open source hardware projects, especially when they get popular enough to attract a number of Chinese factories who make lower quality devices. Lots to talk about now, so let's get to it. So I want to begin by thanking our newest supporters here on the channel. And I want to thank Zam for his super chat contribution during our weekly wrap-up premiere last week. I'll probably be premiering this video again this week. I always like to premiere the weekly wrap-up so I can have some engagement uh, with all of you as it is running. And I will hopefully be in the chat room with you right now as things go on. And I want to thank Zam for his support of the channel and everyone who supported the channel, either through Super Chat, Patreon, or my donor box page, along with everyone who watches on a regular basis too, because all of those things equal channel growth. So let's take a look now at the weekend review. On the Extras channel, we unboxed the Anchor Nebula Capsule 2 projector. Uh, we have a full review of that, of course, on the main channel. One of the great things about the Extras channel where I unbox everything I review is that I'm able to put things back in the box because I can see how they came out initially. There's a lot of components in that projector box and that video uh, was very helpful for boxing it back up when we were done with the review. Uh, We also took a look at my weight loss update. I lost about 45 pounds or so a number of years ago and I've been maintaining that weight now for a good amount of time and I talked about how I'm using a withing scale to help with that process and why I've got to start scaling back my munching a little bit this, uh, this week and next to uh, keep myself at the level I want to stay at. Uh, so you can learn more about how I'm doing that in that video, which is in the master playlist. And then everybody got excited about this retro G Pi Game Boy case. Uh, this is a device that takes your Raspberry Pi Zero, which is the $5 Raspberry Pi, and turns it into a Game Boy-inspired retro gaming device, and it really works quite well, and the quality is outstanding. Uh, ETA Prime took it apart and looked at all the electronics underneath. It's very clean, uh, really nice design both on the casing but also all the electronics that go into it. Check it out because it's really innovative how they uh, connected the Raspberry Pi to the rest of the uh, device including the screen and the controller and its power source. Just really cool and innovative uh, and a very nice uh, throwback to uh, the Game Boy, which is now 30 years old. Retro, Pie, or Retro Flag uh, makes a number of other devices similar to that one. So they've got all these little mini consoles, including the uh, mini NES, a mini Super Nintendo, and a mini Super Famicom, and of course their little Genesis thing here. The quality of the builds are just ridiculously good. It's just, It feels like something that Sega or Nintendo would make on their own. They've got Uh, really top-notch plastic injection molding designers here because this stuff has always been really nice, but the G-Pi case really hits it out of the park. If you haven't seen that review and you're into the Game Boy and retro gaming, I strongly suggest you check it out. And now it's time for a couple of things that are on my mind, and this is week 112 of me doing this as a full-time occupation, and I am very excited to learn that YouTube will soon have an official app on the Amazon Fire TV. It looks like whatever stupid dispute that... Google and Amazon were having is now over with, and they will be supporting each other's platforms. Uh, So that means YouTube on the Fire TV officially, which is going to be great for my channel and many others. And it also means that if you have an Android TV device, you'll be able to get Prime Video on it, including the ability to send Prime video from your mobile devices to Chromecast devices. So all of the things that haven't been happening will happen, uh, which is great for consumers and great for independent creators. And I will certainly let you know uh, when that app shows up on the Fire TV ecosystem, so stay tuned for that. Another neat thing that caught my eye this week is uh, GPD, who makes those really cool portable Windows computers Uh, They have had the GPD Win for a while, which has always involved an Intel-based chip, and it's limited uh, some of the graphical fidelity and performance of the device overall, just given that Intel isn't as good at uh, making GPUs on their low-end processors as AMD might be able to do. And it looks like they will be coming out with something called the GPD Win Max that will be powered by an AMD ryzen processor which should deliver better graphics performance in the same form factor you can read more about it on lilyputing there at the link you see on screen so let's move on now to some viewer q a's and last week we were talking about the new disney streaming service and why i thought it was a good value and that led to a lot of discussion both on my facebook page and facebook group and jim longoria wrote in with a little tip of something that he's been doing to make his streaming more flexible Uh, He is paying for a yearly subscription to something called PlayOn, which is software and also a cloud-based service that will let you record your favorite streaming services onto your computer. So if you've got something like Hulu that doesn't let you watch offline with a download, uh, you can have PlayOn download your shows and then you can move them into Plex or uh, just take them on the road with you so you can watch when you're on the plane or something like that. Uh, Jim is using his play on software with Plex so that he can uh, watch things the way he wants to watch them. And it actually works. I downloaded the software and I'm going to make it my pick of the week. I paid for a a year subscription, actually a lifetime subscription to the software because they were uh, having a sale this week. It was like 35 bucks. So I figured, hey, why not? Let's give it a shot and see uh, how it works. So I have done that. Uh, with my own funds, and here is what the software looks like. So it supports HBO Go, Hulu, Netflix, a bunch of other services. You can see all those listed online. And what's nice is the interface here is actually really nice to navigate. They index all of the different shows and movies on popular uh, streaming platforms. You can record individual episodes, much like you would a DVR. Uh, It will also uh, allow you to automatically download the latest episodes for weekly serials. But look at the time it takes to download... Uh, You can see here that it's actively recording uh, one episode of Barry. uh, And as I add other episodes in, uh, it only does one at a time. So it takes a really long time. And because this is, quote unquote, recording what it's getting over the stream, it is a one-to-one relationship as far as time is concerned. So if you've got a two-hour movie, it will take it two hours to download it before it moves on to downloading anything else. Now, the software runs locally on your Windows PC. It worked on my big gaming PC upstairs, but it did not work on a virtual machine. So if your intent is to load this thing up in a VM or something, it may not work. My downloads were starting and then cutting out after a few minutes. Uh, The gaming computer upstairs has been working just fine. So you might want to have a dedicated Windows computer uh, to this task And what it gives you are MPEG-4 files, and what I did as an experiment was uh, downloaded two episodes of Future Man uh, from Hulu, and then I had them go over to my Plex server, and as you can see here, they showed up just fine. I didn't have to rename the files or manually index anything. Uh, All of the metadata here seemed to work as well, so that was good. Uh, One thing it will do, though, on those MP4 files is put a little watermark on them at the beginning, as you can see here. In fact, it says who downloaded it by name along with your IP address before it gets going. Uh, But then, as you can see here, the Hulu uh, logo appears and it starts playing back the video. However, uh, it does not skip the commercials when you're just looking at the file through Plex or on your own video player somewhere. So you can see I got a Southwest ad on Future Man before things kicked off, and then uh, the mid roll ads were also appearing on there. Apparently, if you use the Play On app to watch the media that you downloaded, it will skip the commercials, but they are baked into the MP4 files. My understanding is that they do put in chapter markers so you can jump through them quickly if your video player supports that. However, I don't think Plex supports. Uh, chapter markers on TV shows. So I just did a quick, you know, 10 second skip thing with my remote to get through them. But it does work. Uh, but the video quality is not very good. It's com- it comes in at 720p, even if you're using a 4K service like Netflix. So the quality of the video was definitely lacking compared to what you would get watching it. Uh, But I think if you're trying to download something to go on a flight or something like that, uh, this could work very well, although it will be very, very slow in getting to you Uh, So, for example, when I was going to Florida, I decided to watch the last episode of Star Trek Voyager on my flight because I realized I never watched it before. So uh, randomly, I took out my phone in the middle of that thought and was able to download it from Netflix before the gate uh, was or the door to the gate was shut and the plane started backing out. You would not be able to do that here with cloud on. It really takes uh, as long as that episode lasted to Get it to download. And again, the quality of the video is not outstanding, but it does work and it's very easy to use. And I was impressed by that. Now, Dan Michaels on that thread wondered, though, is this even legal? How could they possibly be getting away with this? Well, as it turns out, it is legal. Consumer Reports did an article about this, uh, which you can find on screen. It's actually pretty lengthy and it talks about all the different legalities that come into play. Uh, they even interviewed the CEO of Play On and asked them if the company has ever been sued. He laughed and said, for what? Uh, Play on." Lawrence explains, explicitly does not circumvent any DRM, nor does it access the encrypted stream in any way to download the material. Uh, what it is doing is a straight-up sh- uh, screen capture, essentially, of the video as it is being played in the background on the computer. And in that way, they claim it works a lot like a VCR or a DVR does, which is a standing case law that says you can record things for your own personal use. And that is what they're going on here. However, uh, the terms of service of most of these services, like Hulu, Netflix, and others, uh, forbid you in their terms of service from doing this. So it's not illegal, but it does involve a terms of service violation, and perhaps if Hulu or Netflix or other companies discovered a lot of people were doing this, uh, they could find a way to detect that behavior and ban you from the service. So that is something that could happen, uh, but it is not illegal for you to do it unless you get caught. Uh, So as I mentioned earlier, I did get a lifetime subscription, and this week and maybe next, they're doing a 50% off sale on that Uh, subscription plan. So you pay 35 bucks for the software and you've got it for life. Uh, They also have a cloud service that uh, will allow you to download stuff without the need for a computer. Uh, But I think the desktop version is a little bit more feature rich. So that one may be the one you want to go with. So just know that you'll have some ads baked in. Uh, You'll have pretty lousy quality at 720p, but I found it actually works pretty well, albeit a bit slow in the process of getting that video to you. Now, last week, we were also talking a lot about SpaceX because we went down to the launch of the Falcon Heavy, which I will put down below in the master playlist in case you missed it, and Commodore 256 wrote into that saying, ever notice once Elon Musk was allowed to make SpaceX, space travel got a lot cheaper, and it has gotten a lot cheaper very quickly, and it was the result of how NASA has changed how they are going about contracts for launching people and things into space, and about... Uh, Eight years ago now, my gosh, time really flies, uh, I co-wrote an article about the emergence of the commercial space industry, uh, because eight years ago was around the time that the last space shuttle took off, and uh, we did some pretty extensive coverage down there for CT Tech Junkie, which is a site that I write for occasionally here in Connecticut, and it was really fascinating to see this transition at work, because the public was thinking, the space shuttle's going away, there is nothing happening But in fact, there had been a multi-year effort to transition uh, NASA's launch services away from uh, government-run programs to commercially managed programs, and it's actually a very innovative funding model. Uh, Check out the article because it's still very relevant now, and it's actually fun to read now that SpaceX has found a lot of success in this industry because a lot of folks were not thinking they were uh, going to be able to achieve all the things that they were talking about. Uh, but they have been able to accomplish most of them uh, that we talked about here in the article. Because when this article was written, uh, they hadn't yet delivered anything to the space station. They had just finished their first orbital flight, uh, but they were collecting a lot of contracts to do more work. They got a number of commercial satellite providers on board, which was very unusual for an American rocket company to get. And they also got a very large NASA contract for sending cargo up to the space station. Now, if you want to read more about this, you can go on to two links that I'm going to put up on screen. The first is for their commercial resupply business, which are cargo flights. And right now, the two contractors that NASA has selected for that and are currently operating are Northrop Grumman, who owns Orbital ATK, and SpaceX. And in fact, uh, just a couple of days ago, uh, Orbital ATK sent up a resupply mission to the station. They actually launched those rockets out of Virginia, not Florida. And some nights I can actually see the rockets from here in Connecticut, which is awesome. I'll do one of a live stream when we have a good opportunity to see one of those happen. Now, the orbital rocket is uh, not reusable. So the rocket gets discarded in the ocean, and then the uh, supply vehicle, which gets docked to the station, uh, is loaded up with garbage and then also sent into the ocean as well. Uh, SpaceX, of course, uses their Dragon spacecraft, which is reusable and can re-enter the atmosphere and be recovered. So they uh, have replicated a lot of what the shuttle was doing insofar as cargo is concerned. And the big difference between how the commercial services work versus how things used to work is that these are fixed contracts. The company that launches the rocket works out a price, and they have to stick to that price. The way these things worked before Uh, was that the uh, company providing the spaceship, whether it's the space shuttle or the Saturn V rocket or any of the other things that NASA had used in the past, uh, that company would be guaranteed a profit. They were working on a cost-plus contract, meaning that whatever the cost was, the company would get X amount of dollars above the cost as profit, The way this works is that it is fixed rate, and therefore uh, being the low bidder uh, has some some real advantages. And if you can bring down your costs, you can be more competitive, which is why SpaceX from the get-go has been focused on reusability. The more they can reuse, the cheaper it is to launch it again. And if you're discarding rockets in the ocean every time, that's not very efficient. And that is why SpaceX has been so aggressive in bringing down costs, because their biggest customer is NASA, and they need to be able to be competitive, uh, especially now that there are other startups now trying to do similar things, namely uh, the company that Jeff Bezos started called Blue Origin. They're also working with reusable rockets uh, in hopes to be able to get this commercial resupply business. Now, what happened here, though, is that NASA provided a lot of money to these companies to develop the spacecraft that they are sending up, but they did them on specific milestones. So they selected... A number of companies and had them compete for achieving these milestones as quickly and as uh, safely as they could. And then, if they got to that point, they would uh, knock out the people that were not succeeding in meeting those milestones, and then they would provide another round of funding to help them continue to develop their systems from there. So, a lot of what SpaceX has been able to achieve uh, came from this government funding. They did have a lot of private funding to get them to a point where they would be eligible. Uh, but a lot of what you see SpaceX doing here is a result of some of the uh, NASA dollars that came in through uh, this commercial program. There was another program for actually developing the commercial vehicles, which was separate from this, but you get the idea as to how all this works. Fixed rate contracts, no more cost plus, and that is why SpaceX is doing better than Boeing and some of the incumbents are because they have built their business models around cost plus, not around fixed rate contracts, and I think that's going to be Uh, something that Boeing is going to have to adapt quickly to. Now, there is another program called Commercial Crew, and I'll put a link to this down below in the video description because I put the wrong link on screen here. And this program is similar to the cargo program, but it involves developing spacecraft to bring astronauts up to the space station from American soil once again because the U.S. has been basically buying seats on the Russian Soyuz for a good amount of time. Uh, This program is going slower than the cargo program is, primarily because there is a lot more at stake here, namely the lives of the crew members that are going up in these devices. And for this service, uh, Boeing and SpaceX are the two uh, lead contractors that will be providing this. Boeing has a small space capsule, and uh, SpaceX, of course, has their Crew Dragon. Uh, And SpaceX was on track to really be ahead in this, Uh, because they did successfully dock an unmanned crewed dragon with the space station a couple of months ago. They brought it safely back to Earth and recovered it, and they were hoping next month to do a crew escape test, where they were actually going to launch the capsule, detach it from the rocket while the rocket was still mid-flight, blow up the rocket, and then bring the capsule back to ground safely to simulate a launch abort. And unfortunately, SpaceX had a pretty big setback over the weekend. This is a video that appeared on Twitter from a guy named astronaut 99 and it appears to be an accurate uh, depiction of what occurred. They were testing out the escape rockets on that capsule uh, when it looks like one of the uh, pressure tanks failed on it and uh, the capsule exploded. This was the same capsule that went to the space station, so it is now apparently lost And one of the things that you don't get from this new space program is a lot of transparency. Because these are private companies, there are competitive considerations here. Uh, NASA is not uh, broadcasting a lot of these tests as they happen. You see the launches, but you don't see a lot of the other things that go into the processing of the spacecraft here because there are confidential industry secrets now versus something that the government owns and operates. And, uh, for example, this video here was unauthorized. Somebody recorded it, looks like, from a screen somewhere and leaked it out. Uh, But typically, SpaceX doesn't release these things for competitive reasons. Now, NASA is still developing a government-owned and operated rocket called the Space Launch System. It consists of this huge rocket, which is going to be the most powerful rocket ever created, uh, along with a spacecraft at the top called the Orion, and this will be designed for deep space missions, and deep space means going beyond Earth orbit, and that means that the spacecraft has to support astronauts for a much longer period of time. It also enters the Earth's atmosphere again when it comes back at a much higher velocity than Uh, the two crewed commercial spacecraft we just talked about. So it's a very different program for a very different mission. Now this program began under the George W. Bush administration under a different name called Constellation. And this was to be a space shuttle replacement both for low Earth orbit work, but also deep space work uh, involving going to the moon and then to an asteroid and then on to Mars. It was kind of a neat idea, too, because I think one of the things they were looking to do was actually land on one of the Martian moons first, uh, develop a presence there, and then move on to the ground mission on Mars itself. Uh, When the Obama administration took over and the commercial uh, stuff was moving at a brisker pace, uh, they nixed some of what the constellation plan was and scaled it back, and the Obama administration wanted to set an asteroid as their goal versus going back to the moon. Uh, And now the Trump administration wants to go back to the moon and set up a permanent uh, base there of some kind and then move out from there. So there's been a lot of different ideas from different administrations as this rocket has been developing. And when you've got a specialized spacecraft like this, you kind of need to know where you're aiming, aiming it at. And unfortunately, I think all of these different plans have... Uh, complicated the development of this program to the point where the costs have become enormous and we still don't have anything to even test, uh, let alone go to the moon with. So hopefully things will develop. The one thing that has happened over the last couple of years is a successful test of the Orion spacecraft. Uh, What they did do is they launched it on a, a Delta Heavy rocket and then had it Uh, come back to Earth at around the same rate of speed, it would come back from the moon, and it was successful in doing that. So that's some progress there, but the rocket itself that they want to put it on uh, is not yet out there, and that's led to some controversy and some debate as to whether or not it might be cheaper to send up components of this mission on reusable commercial rockets uh, for a lower price, but maybe over a shortly longer period of time. Uh, than it might cost to launch a single large rocket like this one. And I think that's going to be the pressure that a lot of these commercial companies are going to be putting on NASA and Congress as uh, we are definitely going back to the moon and going beyond it. The question is how are we get in there. And I think that's going to be the uh, big topic of discussion over the next several years. All right, let's get back to Earth for a little bit here. And our next question comes in from Ben Cossett, who is writing into the Facebook group about the open source scan converter. This is a device that converts one type of video format into another. So if you've got a retro game console and you're outputting via RGB or S-Card or something, it can convert that uh, into HDMI and it does so uh, with very little to no latency. It's a very popular device in a, a specific set of communities, namely the retro gaming community, but also I think in the home theater community as well. And there are a number of companies that take this open source design and make a very high-quality product that you can purchase if you're not able to build one of these yourself. And it is a very complicated device. Uh, One of those companies is Video Game Perfection uh, that brings these in in batches because this is very specialized hardware. It's not something you're going to make a million of because you'll never sell a million of them. So they get enough people together who want to buy a card and then they uh, put together an order with a factory and uh, it comes in. Uh, But what's happening is, is that there are now some uh, bootleg devices, essentially, that are being made cheaply in China and getting dumped onto the market, which, of course, is concerning companies that are trying to build a high-quality version of it. And you can check out this discussion on uh, the video game site here for more information on what some of those problems are. And they're concerned that uh, some of the people that are buying this device from one of these Chinese companies will think they are the manufacturer and ask them to Uh, meet the warranty requirements, for example. Uh, A software example of this would be Kodi, where a lot of these pirate companies are integrating Kodi into their pirate video systems, and they're going to Kodi, asking them to fix their problems. This is a similar hardware version of that same problem. And one of the difficulties you run into when you have open source software, or in this case, hardware, uh, which can very easily be replicated and reproduced, uh, and there's very little recourse that... Uh, an open-source organization has to stop it. It's very hard to come up with enough money to hire lawyers to prevent the import, for example, of uh, these knockoff devices, perhaps. And this is some of the uh, open-source scan converters I was able to find on AliExpress. And you can see there's a bunch of different uh, manufacturer names here, so there's a bunch of different companies selling them. It's likely coming out of the same factory, but nonetheless, you can see just how many there are available to purchase and the price points on them, which I believe are... Uh, much lower than uh, what it would cost to get one of the higher quality ones. Um, They might have a leg to stand on in regards to the manual, because apparently they are copying the manual, which is a copyrighted work uh, versus the open source scan converter itself. And what makes this difficult is that this is an open source project. The entire uh, schematics here are available on GitHub. You can download it, and if you had a factory... Uh, you can make them yourself. And this is going to be something that will continue to be an issue, I think, in the niche hardware industry, especially for open source hardware projects because it's not hard for a factory to find this stuff. They might have some downtime and if they can cheaply put together something, they'll do it and dump it out on AliExpress, Amazon, and eBay where there's a market for this stuff and sell them. Uh, We're seeing a very similar issue with uh, some of these Dreamcast optical drive replacements for the Sega Dreamcast uh, system Uh, It was a very simple design that somebody came up with for this, uh, I think they call it the GDEMU, and basically you replace your optical drive with a little board that has an SD card on it, and it allows you to use the SD card like your optical drive. It's a very cool device, uh, but somebody in China managed to reproduce it and started selling the same thing for far less money but with lower quality, and that's really uh, the issue here. I'd love to hear from you on this one in our Q&A for you this week. What do you think about this? Obviously, it's maybe going to disincentivize groups that are building specific hardware from making their hardware open source. Uh, So, that of course will drive up the cost of this because they can't make a lot of these devices. At the same time, there's a lot of cheap devices getting made uh, with the open source design that may not be up to the quality level either, uh, that could result in people's hardware getting damaged that's getting plugged into these things or uh, issues where perhaps the uh, open source project is flooded with uh, requests from people buying this low quality hardware. I'm not sure there's any real easy way to deal with this but I'd love to hear what you think down in the comments below. So this week on the channel we've got a couple of fun things to look at. The first is going to be this Acer computer. It is a $789 gaming PC with an AMD GPU built inside. I get these in from time to time through the Amazon Vine program, and I always like to see what the pre-built, lower-cost devices can do. So we'll be putting this one through its paces. It even has an optical drive, which you don't see too often these days, so that is cool. Uh, We're also going to have our special uh, with the high-speed camera. We're going to show you how it works and uh, all the different things to think about when shooting at super, super high frame rates. It's going to be a fun one. It'll be a longer one, too. Hopefully we'll have that one up over the weekend. Uh, and then we also will have a Chromebook review. I got in an, an HP Chromebook 14 that a viewer lent to me, so we'll be putting that one through its paces. We haven't looked at uh, the HP Chromebooks yet, so I'm eager to check one out, and that should appear sometime this week as well. If you want to help the channel, you can. You can go to lon.tv support and make a monthly or a one-time contribution to the channel. We also have other channels that I have, uh, including my extras channel uh, for unboxings and supplementary content. We also have my podcast, which is an audio version of this show at lon.tv slash podcast. We have my snippets channel at lon.tv slash snippets, and we also have my live streams at lon.tv slash live streams. Now, if you like what I do and want to get notified every time I do something else, you can click on the bell and get notified every time I upload or go live, and you can do that on all of my other channels too. Uh, there's ways to engage with the channel on my email list at lon.tv slash We only send out an email uh, on the rare occasion that we do some kind of live stream or super cool special things, so we don't get those out too often, so we won't annoy you with those. Uh, We have my Facebook page at lon.tv slash Facebook, my Facebook group at lon.tv slash Facebook group, which is now well over 600 participants, and it's a great uh, source of content for me. I get a lot of great ideas from that Facebook group. I'm in there all the time, and many of you are as well, which is so great to have such an active conversation with each other. Uh, we also have my store at lon.tv slash store where I sell things that I've previously reviewed on the channel. And you can find a notification email alert at lon.tv slash store alert. And I will send out an email every time I put something into the store. Uh, this week, I just listed the uh, Nebula capsule projector at the uh, Kickstarter price that I paid for it. So it's in there now. If you want to make an offer, have at it. I will entertain all offers to get more things out of my house anytime, so please feel free to suggest a different price. And that is going to do it for this week's weekly wrap-up. I want to thank you all for your continued uh, viewership, first of all, but also all of those great comments and suggestions that come in. Keep them coming. I greatly appreciate all the feedback that I get, and I really appreciate all of you for supporting me in this really fun YouTube endeavor. Until next time, this is Lon Sybin. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by the Lon.tv supporters including Gold Level Supporters, the Four Guys with Quarters podcast, Tom Albrecht, and Kalyan Kumar. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month.